Super Talk Mississippi media production. What if everyone was turning their head to look at you with a brand new Flowmaster exhaust system from Exhaust Pro in Macomb on Georgia Avenue? Cruise in style with Exhaust Pro of Macomb on Georgia Avenue. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. It is Mailbag Friday. The People's Holiday is back. We'll get to your questions. We've got some other topics to get to, I'm sure. Uh, Eli retiring. No, bas- I know football this weekend. Ole Miss plays a basketball game in Georgia. They have the first baseball availability of the 2020 season. Uh, so some different different stuff to get to today. What's up? Oh, not a whole lot on this Friday, man. Uh, we are, and we talked earlier in the week about how the the sports world was still giving us all kinds of news. It has come to a screeching halt today, especially today. Like I've I've already sat down and looked at potential content for the radio show, and we're gonna have to get creative this afternoon. It went from all kinds of stuffs happening to the biggest news of the day being Ed Orgeron getting a contract extension. Ugh. Yeah, I guess it's that tweener time because it will last year. It was a little bit easier because I believe. Let's see. No, that's not right. It was a little earlier. It was a little later. It, it, this was around the time where you had Ole Miss and State both being good at basketball and they had just played each other, which I guess would have been last weekend this time last year, something like that. So it was a little easier because people seemed excited about that. State playing better basketball. Uh, appear to be on the up and up. Ole Miss, obviously, is just a complete and utter disaster. So that probably makes it a little more difficult. But baseball's on the way. I will see Mike Bianco. This will be the first time I've laid eyes on Mike Bianco since Fayetteville of last year because for whatever reason, uh, there was no exit interview scheduled last year, so we didn't talk to him. I couldn't really go out in the fall. I say that. I, I lied. I, I, I saw Mike once in the fall, and then I went out there another time and like was gone before he actually got out there. He tends to waddle out there a little bit later <laughs> than when most guys get out there on the field. So sometimes you see him, sometimes you don't. Uh, um, but we got that going on today. We do have some questions to get to. I guess we'll just get rolling into that. And then uh, I mean, I of- guess I mean, Ole Miss is hosting some official visitors this weekend. Um, there's a what is it, a safety from Louisiana that's actually a four-star uh, committed to Vanderbilt, and it certainly uh, sounds like Ole Miss is going to be able to flip him. A very small li- visitor list this weekend, but I think it's three four-stars and a three-star. So even though it's a small one, it is uh, – or maybe it's only three guys. But either way, they've got a couple of important visitors this weekend. There's a wide receiver – a uh, kid from Florida that's committed to Florida, um, and then this safety from Metairie, so just outside of New Orleans, he's a four-star safety committed to Vanderbilt in town this weekend. Maybe they, uh, maybe there's no basketball game to take him to. Maybe they'll just take him to the tad pad and let him get asbestos, um, <laughs> just for old time's sake, because that's what the 2013 kids probably got. But it's, it's interesting. You uh, for for as much as. People were piling on and dumping on uh, Derek Mason. And, like, two dudes doesn't really make a difference. But I believe Ole Miss had a dude. Ole Miss and Alabama were in on a dude that went to Vanderbilt. And now he's got a, he has a four-star safety from Louisiana. I guess it's time to ask the question, are Vanderbilt Bagmen kind of the sleeper of the SEC? 
Oh, man, I feel so bad for Derek Mason. I really do because I think he's a good football coach, at least on the defensive side. But I think he's a good football coach. And you can't get players there. And his tenure got started off so poorly. And, I mean, all of the quarterbacks that took snaps last year for Vanderbilt are gone, if I understand it correctly. So, I mean, he got basically a one-year extension to see if it'll work, but the fan base is already tiny, almost non-existent to begin with, and there's apathy there. It just sucks, man. It's a terrible job. Everybody else in the SEC is upgrading facilities and making big-time hires and paying their coaches $5 million a year, which Vanderbilt could afford, but they just choose not to. They haven't touched their stadium since 1981. I mean, it's an impossible job. And they're going to fire Derek Mason. And and you have SEC media people. I, I say it that way. People that cover an SEC school or are like on the network or, or do radio around. And they talk about how Derek Mason's a shitty coach. And I keep thinking, James Franklin was an anomaly. And even still, his best season lost four games. And that was when the SEC East was at its weakest. That is an impossible job. Impossible. And... People take it out on Derek Mason instead of saying, look, Vanderbilt, it's just a shitty job. The, the academic requirements are hard to get kids to. The, can't, the, the school is a good school, but um, like, there's no game day atmosphere. You recruit to Nashville, I guess, but like every SEC town is cool for a 17-year-old kid. Like Nashville's awesome, but they go to Oxford and their eyes are wide open because, like, holy shit, it, we're, this is college. There's college girls running around. They go to Tuscaloosa, same thing. Fayetteville, same thing. Like, some are better than others, sure. But there's nothing that says Vanderbilt should be better than any other program in the SEC. It's the worst job always. And he's going to be the scapegoat for it, when in reality, the job just sucks. Yeah, I'm well aware they haven't touched the stadium since 1981, because that's my least favorite place to go to, because... When you go on the field towards the end of the game, not only is it just eerie because there's no one in the stands, but their sound system are basically just two gigantic amps in each end zone. And so it absolutely, no matter where you stand, if you're on field level, it absolutely just completely blows your eardrums off. It's uh, it's it's really atrocious. They really they don't have like, it's not even a real speaker system. It's literally just two gigantic amp like speakers just standing behind the goalpost. It's uh, it's it's pretty rough. And then. You feel like you're gonna die every time you take the elevator up and down from there. It starts shaking and making all these weird noises, and you're like, "Yo, shit, this is the end." I'm, you know, this is how it ends on a Saturday night in November. You know, at age 21, I had a couple flashbacks of that. Don't really enjoy that place. It is in the middle of downtown, which is pretty cool. But yeah, tough gig. But it's interesting. He seems to be recruiting okay, despite of it, or at least uh, from the very little I have checked on Vanderbilt recruiting. The first likable guy. I mean, charismatic, and I mean, he's got some energy. He's likable. Whenever he gets fired, somebody in the SEC is going to hire one hell of a defensive coordinator. Yeah, I thought that might be the case this year, to where maybe Ole Miss or a state or something like that could jump on him. But they gave him another year. I mean, he's been to a bowl game two out of the last four years, three years, whatever it is. I don't really know what you expect. They were pretty atrocious this year. I mean, they they were non-competitive in most games. But they scored thirty-eight points against LSU, though. That is true. That I, I can't imagine LSU was that engaged in that game. And I know uh, maybe the players were drunk too. I know the fans were just spent the entire weekend drunk. I think that was an eleven a.m. game. They took over the stadium. 
Yeah. But uh, let's see. The first question we get, if either of you are wing guys, favorite place to get parentheses bone-in wings in Mississippi, suggest and try murky waters if you're ever in Hattiesburg slash Ocean Springs. Okay, I'll uh, I'll definitely try that down. That's got to be uh, – not chain, but that's got to be a multi-location deal, right? If he's talking about it, but the, the Hattiesburg Ocean Springs, it's not like Madison Ridgeland type of deal. Uh, no, he's saying that if you're either in Hattiesburg or Ocean Springs, you can find the one location and drive there. But uh, no, no, there's no <laughs> way. I say they're way too far <laughs> apart. <laughs> that uh, that long pause was great. I, man, I'm a huge wing guy, but the thing is, like, I don't. My wife and I don't go out all that much anyway. Like, you know, we've got a kid. We just He's three months old. We can't do much with him. Um, but when I'm making wings, I do it myself. I, I, and maybe there's some good ones out there. I haven't heard of any good wing places around to begin with, but I, I make them myself. And I think I do better than, than what you get at most places anyway. Wings in the air fryer are pretty good. Uh, pretty good choice most of the time. I, my roommates here have done that, and it's been pretty good. I honestly, growing up in Jackson, this is going to sound absolutely ridiculous, but like, like my church group would sometimes go to Buffalo Wild Wings. I know that's kind of an interesting statement for just from uh, the get go. But like, when do we go eat on Wednesdays? And people wanted wings, they go to Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't know if there are any wing places in Jackson that aren't like Buffalo Wild Wings and Hooters. Around here is interesting. Because I think the best wings in Oxford are actually Jinsei, the sushi place. I don't know if you've ever had them, but they have these gigantic wings with these like special. Uh, that I I can't begin to describe like how they're bred or whatever, but they're incredible. I think they're the best in town. I think most people that at least have had them or know about them would probably agree. And then as far as like the square goes, I think it would probably be. The Levy has the Nuke's Q wings, which I'm pretty partial to. I, I think the Nuke's Q sauce is dank. I think the Levy wings are okay. And then Roosters seem to have pretty decent wings, but it's just like from what I understand, your traditional like buffalo or barbecue or whatever, nothing too wacky about that. So if you want to go like specialty wings in Oxford, go to Jinsei. I promise you, you won't look like an asshole if you get the wings at Jinsei. People do it. I get it all the time. I don't hate sushi. I just don't always know how to order it, and I prefer the wings there instead. Yeah. And I, I like that he emphasized uh, them having to be bone-in because boneless wings aren't wings. They're chicken nuggets with sauce on them. Like, changed my mind. No, I don't necessarily disagree. But my thing is, is whenever, if I go to Wingstop or Buffalo Wild Wings or somebody, I think their bone-in wings are crappy. So when I go to a place like that, I get yeah. boneless wings because I think their bone-in wings stink. So I'm it, not like a necessarily a boneless wings guy, but if I'm going to one of the chains – particularly Buffalo Wild Wings or, or Wingstop, I think their bone-in wings are crap, so I'm going to get the, uh, the boneless ones because it's really hard to screw up a boneless one because, as you mentioned, it's literally just a breaded nugget. Yeah. And, uh, oh, sorry, my, I, I keep checking the baby monitor. My kid's crying. But, um, yeah, they are terrible. And the prices at Buffalo Wild Wings in particular are absurd for what you get. Yeah, I've I never I guess I've never actually really noticed that. I, I do know I mean I do notice you're spending fifteen, twenty bucks every time you go to Buffalo Wild Wings. And it's not done, worth it. I've only done Wingstop here like once or twice. They have really good fries. Whatever they put on their fries really uh one, it smells good and it tastes even better. I think it's some kind of garlic deal. But wing wise, very average to below average. Speaking of meats, 
Go to LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. We don't have an LB's pick this week, unfortunately. No, Greg. I'll probably have him on Super Bowl week. We'll get him to talk some Super Bowl food, grilling, whatever he does Super Bowl-wise if you have any specialties, and then get him to make the Super Bowl pick so you can cash out on Greg's dime one last time. But go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger. I've never actually noticed if LB's has wings when I've been in there. I need to ask Greg about that. But you can get the Lane Kiffin special, the 8-ounce bacon wrap filet, Keith Carter special, 6-ounce bacon wrap filet, plate lunches. He's got game packs for baseball season, all kinds of stuff. Go see him. Tell him we sent you. Demand the gambling locks. Uh, I guess you could demand wings. He can probably go get some or order Wingstop for you. I don't really know. But University Avenue across from Kroger. Borky, where are you originally from? And <laughs> Jeez. And if that smoke <laughs> show in your profile picture is dating slash married to you, how did you pull that? I, I, this doesn't sound like a question I can answer. Uh, Greenville, South Carolina is where I'm from. I, uh, I went to Ole Miss because a uh, uh, one of my best friends, a groomsman in my wedding's older brother, told me his biggest regret in life was not going to Ole Miss. When he was a student at South Carolina, they visited when South Carolina played at Ole Miss, and he said that that, it was the most fun he had in college was his weekend in Oxford. And I liked Clemson a lot. It's very similar to Oxford. I wanted a small college town feel, but like still a big-time program. Uh, Clemson didn't have a journalism school, though, so it was kind of a non-starter. I wanted to do sports media, even though I'm not worth a shit at it. Uh, and, and South Carolina is, I, I can't stand Columbia. I think it's gross. I, I don't like the campus. Both my sisters went there and I just, I wasn't a fan. I, I wanted something smaller. And so I just, I kept looking around and didn't really like Knoxville. Uh, no way in hell we could have afforded University of Georgia because their out-of-state prices are absurd. Probably wasn't getting in anyway. Liked Auburn okay. I think Auburn might be my uh, favorite college town in the SEC that's not Oxford. Uh, I enjoyed Auburn. Uh, I'm going to go Athens some people on don't. that one. Auburn was okay. I like Auburn better than Tuscaloosa. I don't really know why. I had a really bad host when I went to Athens, and so it kind of darkened my thought on it. Like, all they wanted to do was go to Generals, and that's it. Like, that's the only place we went to in Athens. And, like, I just – I didn't like the people that we were with, so it kind of ruined the, the the weekend for me. Not I may fair, have gone but... at the perfect time because what happened to me was I became friends in college with a couple kids from, I mean, Atlanta, but mainly South Georgia, and they wanted to go one time. And I'd never been. And this is after a year of go, getting crammed into the uh, corner bar, paying $35 covers. That's a little exaggeratory, you know, $7 drinks. And then trying to manage your money while also go out four nights a week as a freshman. And then I show up to Athens to where, you know, chicks are getting in bars with hotel room cards. There's no covers and everything's like two bucks. And so I I, I thought this was like the greatest place on earth. And you didn't have to worry, like looking over your shoulder to see if some, uh, you know, plainclothes police officer is going to be like, gotcha, you bastard. Think next twice where you get a double vodka at 19 years old. Anyway. So I had a uh, I had a great time in Athens, and I I think before I turned actually turned twenty one, I may have gone three or four times over the course of like two years. Auburn was okay. I enjoyed when I went for the and I had a really good host at Auburn. I think that changed. I had a blast there because of the person that I was with. Well, it was a group, not just one person. Had an absolute blast at Auburn because of the people I was with. That probably gave me some bias. 
Well, going out there, I didn't go anywhere else but the one place, and that seems like the thing there, which was awesome. That what's it called? Skybar. Sky Bar. Like, like you know, it's like a, like it's interesting at Auburn because that appears to be like the mecca, and no one really goes out anywhere else. I'm sure if you go to school there, it's a little different. But I uh, I found that kind of funny. I enjoyed it though. But I thought Col- Ole Miss played in the NCAA tournament in basketball in Columbia. I enjoyed Columbia, but it I, I didn't actually like peruse the campus or anything. Like I stayed right down the street from the arena, which was also like pretty much perfectly halfway in between to where like a little strip of bars were so and restaurants and stuff. So I actually really enjoyed that. Uh, but like as far as like feeling it as a college town, I would really have no gauge. I just enjoyed like staying there and walking back and forth. There were a bunch of people. I, I found it to be pretty cool. And to its credit, they've done a lot of um, revitalizing the, the downtown area. I mean, there it was. I mean, 10, 15 years ago, it was not exactly the safest place in the world, and, and they've done a lot of turning around that area, too. So it's nicer now than it was when I was looking at schools, for sure. But uh, So we just we kept going west, and we finally listened to, to Tyler, my buddy's brother's advice, and we visited Oxford. And as we are pulling on campus, we took the old Taylor Road exit, and we are stuck in traffic because a baseball game's about to start. And we see these dudes lugging big coolers to the baseball game, and we thought, you know what, forget it. Um, instead of the tour, let's go to the baseball game. And we get tickets down the first base side, and they were playing Oakland University, the Michigan one, and hit a home run in like the third inning. And so, I mean, I'm 17, and Patrick's 17, and they, I mean, we go to a baseball game, which we had no idea that it had even existed in that way here like Clemson and South Carolina both care about baseball and they have nice stadiums but it's not like that they have a very minor league feel to them like people are there a lot of people are there but it's not an atmosphere it's just there are more people at their games than most others that was an atmosphere even playing Oakland University in February and before the tour I actually filled out an application and then took my tour of campus because of the the baseball atmosphere so I ended up uh, at Ole Miss because of that. And uh, yes, that's my wife. And we have a child. Congrats to me on the sex. And uh, um, I at least have it one time. What he really means is back off, pal. They're hitched. So <laughs> uh, last college town thing, the, uh, I think the most underrated place in the SEC, and I think I say underrated. It may just be properly related, just not around here because it's so far to get to. I really love Fayetteville every time I go. I enjoy Dixon Street. I think their campus is pretty nice. I think Fayetteville is like like lar- slightly larger than a college town, but not really at the same time. Seems pretty safe from what I understand. I uh, I have a great time every time I go there. I really enjoy it. And let's see. Next question. Is Clowney in school? What time are scrimmages this weekend? Yes, I believe Clowney early enrollee. And baseball scrimmages. I'm going to use this as a jumping off point to rant, but this is not what I'm ranting at. Saturday, the scrimmages are, is at noon. Sunday, the scrimmage is at 1. Baseball scrimmage is a different story. So, uh, Bill, who asked this question, I'm not ranting at you, I swear to God. But nothing pisses me off more than when, like, on Twitter or something, when someone asks me, like, like what times the game start? Or some, like, something like that. It's like, you have an iPhone. Like I like I, this would be like this would be something else if it were 15 years ago and you're actually trying to figure out and you're like emailing me or beepering me what time something starts. But when someone's like, "What year is that kid?" or "What time does the game start?" It's like 
type it into your phone, man. Like you can answer, <laughs> you can get the answer quicker than I can type back. Nothing bothers me more than that. Again, Bill, I'm not talking about you because they don't. I don't think they put the baseball scrimmages out there like as openly available as they do like game tops. But that just no. made me think of that. That bothers the living crap out of me when people do that. Like, please don't ever tweet me what time's the game. Look it up. They have a website, a really nice one. I used to write for it. It was great. Like, look it up. Yeah, anyway. like, texters into the radio show, that's different because they're presumably in the car or whatever. Uh, but you're already on the internet on Twitter. And by the time you will respond to them, they could have looked it up a dozen times. Exactly, and then like uh, all, and then like uh, in baseball, who's pitching? Like the the account just tweeted it out. Literally, just like use your brain. Anyway, thanks for the uh, thanks for letting me uh, rant there, Bill. Uh, but again, not ranting at you because baseball scrimmage is a little bit different. If Tony the Land Shark had a female counterpart, what would be her name? Well, I don't think you can assume Tony's a dude. It's twenty nineteen, buddy. And it's twenty twenty now, so yeah, you definitely yeah. can't assume that Tony's a dude. Shit, I can't believe I just did that. That's gonna take me at least until March to figure out it's twenty twenty. Back in uh back in middle school or middle school or elementary school and you used to have to write the date on everything, that would always get me. I would definitely still be writing uh twenty nineteen if I still had to take time tests. If what would, <laughs> I live on a couple of the uh the sports talk podcasts just twenty nineteen already this year, so you're not alone. They need to send that mascot out to pasture, though. The, the land shark idea is actually a good one. I know people make fun of it, but people are stupid. It's actually a, a good story and a good reason to have a mascot. Like, instead of, why do you have a bear? Well, there was a student vote, but actually they kind of jerry-rigged the results to lead to the bear. It wasn't a real election. They uh, already had the costume like picked out and ready. It was going to be the black bear. That, that's not a story that you can tell people. But when... Ole Miss is at Arkansas, and you're, you're walking by the tailgate, and Arkansas fans are like, hey, you know, why is a shark your mascot? Well, actually, uh, there was a player at Ole Miss. His name was Tony Fine, and uh, he would throw up a shark fin when he would make a tackle, and he, he was a veteran as well, and he unfortunately has passed away since then. So this is the school's way uh, of honoring him, and, and ever since he played at Ole Miss, the defense has called themselves that and thrown up a fin after a big play to honor this veteran who played at Ole Miss who has now since passed away, and that's where the mascot came from. That's a story. That's cool. That's something that is unique to college football because you don't have mascots really like that anywhere else. It's all good. It's all positive. But the, the costume is a disaster. And, like, the selling point was, well, we got somebody that designed the Iron Man suit. It's like, why do you want that person designing your shark man? Get a fluffy thing. I mean, it's every. I, this is not a unique thought. Most people agree. But like the head, the shark head, the opening is so wide that it doesn't even fit in the costume. You know what I mean? Like you see just this black rim underneath the head because the opening, the hole is so big. And it's, he looks like a silver can opener lizard thing. It's awful. I, I don't. I would love to see the rejected ideas to where they got to that being the mascot. The costume's an embarrassment. The idea and the story is a really good one. The execution was just pathetic. Which is probably the, I mean, this generally seems to be the thing with most old Miss stuff in terms of execution, I mean, uh, execution, bad idea, good. 
If she had a female counterpart, how about Tanya? And maybe she's a masseuse from Tampa. <laughs> Tanya from Tampa. Sounds uh, like a winner to uh, me, but don't don't <laughs> float that idea past anyone that works in athletics because then you're going to have two sharks running the sideline, and then we're going to have all kinds of issues on our hands. Did you see C.J. Johnson getting a look at defensive line coach? He did coach under Kiffin at Florida Atlantic. Uh, good question. I don't necessarily see that. I, I, I should rephrase that. I haven't heard that, but it would be interesting to see if he gets a look. But I, I think from what I understand, they're probably going to leave this more so up to Partridge and Durkin more so than Kiffin. Like if, like if Kiffin were making the hire, I think solely without much input, I think you'd probably have a better chance of that happening. But I, I think pos- more than likely it's going to be more of a Partridge and Durkin thing. And I, I do know that from a, a couple of different vantage points. One, I know they've put out some feelers on some different guys. So no, but not a bad idea. Yeah, I, I mean, he. everybody loves C.J. Johnson. I know they do, and for good reason. But I tried there to are more qualified candidates. Ago. You did? Yeah, but he never re- – he, he ghosted me. <laughs> so I, I – You got big-timed. Yeah, hot seat, uh, C.J. Johnson. Um, but there, there are – trying to be put it as nice as I can. There are more qualified candidates out there than him and i mean a lot more qualified candidates than him having him on the staff would be great analyst role something like that but defensive line coach in the sec west there are other people that you could hire that um have a higher percent chance of hitting and i know he's an old miss guy and everybody loves him but there's qualified candidates out there that would make more sense than him What I would do if I were Kiffin, and maybe it's just because I have a propensity to stir the pot, I would wait like five days, then go try to rehire Fred Roach. (laughs) I mean, the man's moved five times and had four different jobs (laughs) allegedly in the last two weeks. Why not just let him recruit for Alabama for a week and then be like, all right, dude, come on, let's uh, let's pull a fast one on the old grumpy guy and then try to bring him back. Uh, Saban would probably uh, probably not take too kind of that. Not that Kiffin – honestly, if if everything that – you hear behind the scenes is true between Kiffin and Saban. I know he speaks of him very respectfully. Like that, if I actually floated that idea by Kiffin, he might give me like a shit-eating grin and then think about trying it. I'm just saying. I, I think he would think uh, think about it more than once. We are blowing through these questions here. We don't have a ton today, but that's okay. I'll excuse it because there's not a lot going on. Let's see. Oh, here's a good question. If you could play one course for the rest of your life, where are you playing? My problem with this, and this is a great question, and this is, uh, oh, this is Todd who wanted us to talk golf more, and he is, see, this is how you're supposed to participate in this podcast. I'm going to give Todd a gold star here. If you want us to talk about something, then participate in Mailback Friday and ask a question. Last week, Todd requested more golf talk, and then he brings a perfectly fair question to the table. Thank you. Anyway, I'll let you answer this first. Um. It's probably a uh, like a basic answer, but man, the views at Pebble Beach would make it worth it. Like I don't care if it's not the best golf course out there, but getting to look at that, if I have to play one course, I'd rather it be right there on the ocean with waves crashing into the rocks. That That setting to me is the best in sports. 
I've never played it. I've been in that region of the country, never seen the course itself. I, I, I could die and be happy if I got to go to Pebble Beach. I know it's not even the best course in the area, apparently, because, you know, the smart golf people say it's Monterey Bay or whatever. It would be Pebble Beach because of the views, man. Like the seventh hole, getting to hit the tee shot, in, basically into the water like that, towards the ocean, I, you, you can't beat that to me. I would do that every day for the rest of my life and be happy. I'm going to, well, actually, in one-up you uh, slightly because you're on the right track here. I'm going to go Cypress Point because it's the same area in the country on the water, too, and it's the most exclusive club in the world. So anytime you're, like, chumming around with your friends, you can say, yeah, you want to go play Cypress Point. Sorry, don't have any more guest tokens for the year. So it's like Pebble Beach, but it's, like, oh, more exclusive. Okay, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, oh, I've seen it. I've seen one picture, the second one on Google. I just didn't, you know, I didn't know that it was a. Pebble's a good choice, though. That's in anyone's top. I would imagine if you're talking domestically, that's in anyone's top two or top three, uh, probably in the United States. Well, see, I'm not a big. My problem is I haven't played any of these nice golf courses because. Because so I don't like I can't be like, oh, it's, it's definitely this. Like if I'm saying that it's just me looking at pictures or me like basing it off of what other people say because i haven't i haven't played any of these nice courses my uh my dad who is a banker plays a ton of golf plays a bunch of nice courses and normally i don't make the trip i just get a shirt so people are like oh how is pebble it's like great i got a great t-shirt gift shops must be awesome never been yeah i'm with you i'm uh see i'm not a big like euro travel guy my wife wants to, to go to Italy and stuff, and if we ever have the financial means, I will take her to make her happy. But, like, I, I don't care about seeing the world. Like, I'm good here. The United States is fine. There's a lot of cool stuff here, a lot of places I, I need to see. I'm good. So, like, if Pebbles the or Cypress Point, whatever that region is the best in America, then I'm good. I don't need to go to Ireland or Scotland or whatever. I'm fine here. I'm not exactly the biggest tourist guy ever. Like, if someone offered me a chance to go see, like, Europe and stuff, I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. But golf-wise, I would like to go do the whole uh, Royal Dornick, uh, St. Anne's, St. Andrews, Carnoustie, all that, because apparently that is supposed to be insane. Like, yeah, if you're you get all four Euro seasons trip, in I'm, one day. Yeah, exactly. And if you're going to make me do a Euro trip, I'm probably just going to turn it into a golf one. Uh, like, like, I mean, no offense. Like, I, I don't really care about seeing like Buckingham Palace or whatever you do in London. That, uh, that sounds incredibly American and uneducated. I would do it if it were the opportunity were afforded to me, but I would preferably make it a golf trip if I, uh, if I could. Next question uh, shifts to hoops. From Plum Dog Millionaire. I wonder if that's on his birth certificate. How much can Joyner, uh, Morell, and Robinson help the team next year? I guess I'll start by with Joyner. I honestly think, and I, this is going to sound blasphemous, but with the way Devontae Shuler is playing this year, I think this team would be, and maybe maybe Joyner has struggled adjusting the SEC. I don't think so because I did see this kid play in high school a couple times when I was covering high school sports. I think this team would really, really benefit from joiner services right now. They need another guard. They only have really, I guess they now they have five with Bryce Williams back. For a while, they were playing with four healthy guards. 
I think Joyner could provide a, provide a spark because what are they missing right now from Shuler? Well, one, he's not distributing the ball as well as he used to, but really they're missing scoring. They don't have a supplemental score uh, aside from Bree and Tyree. So I think that would really help them right now. I really do. I, I think if, if you inserted him at point guard or even if he played him off the ball at two some and put Bree at point or even just what the combination of he, Shuler, and Brian rotating in and out versus just kind of the stale combination of Shuler and Brian. I think that would help them a ton. As far as Sean Robinson goes, I think he would, I mean, I, again, this is another guy that would help them and they, they could play him if they wanted to, but there's really no reason to at this point. Uh, Joyner obviously has to sit out a year because of the transfer thing. Robinson came in early and they just said they were going to redshirt him. They could use him, but uh, there's really no point to right now, but you know, big, heavy body, six ten down in the post. I mean, Literally, the only presence you have down there is the DMC, and he doesn't exactly uh, he doesn't exactly rim protect very well. So I think they I mean, can't he can't stay on the court, man. Even exactly. if he did rim protect well, he's not out there long enough. So unless Robinson just ends up being a complete disaster, like Sammy Hunter's been so far, and that, that's not necessarily completely fair to Hunter because he is a freshman. I, for everything I hear and see, the skill set is there. He just doesn't have any confidence. Uh, I think Robinson would help this team immensely. I. I you know, I do wonder, like, it would have been interesting to me, and I think I wrote about this in one of the storylines before the year and trying to project it. If this team were competitive in SEC play, say they were like, I don't know, what were they 0-5? Say they were like 3-2, and two, kind of like right on that NCAA tournament bubble, and they had an injury, and he, someone went down, what would they do with Sean Robinson? Would they yank the red shirt? Uh, that, that would be interesting to me to find out. But obviously... Uh, they're they're not doing that now because why why in God's green earth would you pull a red shirt off this kid in this seat like this season is going absolutely nowhere uh, as far as Morell I would say he would I mean this is kind of boring and basic but I would say he, he would help too I mean it's a it's a shooting guard with size I think he could provide some scoring I think he could provide some defense for him. obviously you don't really know how freshmen are going to pin out in the SEC but with the way they're playing right now I don't know who couldn't help them I guess. I guess Dom wouldn't help them much. He would rim protect better. Just uh, throw no, he would there. help them though. That's what's scary is he would. Dom seems to be having a great time at FSU, playing a few minutes a night. The team's really good. Uh, <laughs> Dom seems to be having a big time over there. Uh, little did you know, would you be sitting here in January of next year talking about how they could use Dom's rim protection? What a wild place to be. Yeah, that's not good. I need to know your opinion on a oh uh, the Punisher. Uh, he will hit 40 home runs and bat 400 this year. It's a uh, a Reds player that kind of came onto the scene last year. So 40 home runs, Reds win the division and go to the playoffs. That's my bold prediction. Will Kiffin and the staff target any grad transfer defensive lineman in the portal? They already have. Uh, he ended up going to Miami, though, right? The guy from Temple. I mean, they were looking at two Temple players. Um, so presumably they're after more. It's amazing how little information has gotten out of that program so far. And maybe it'll take local media time to uh, cultivate sources and information will start coming out. But this well, idea... Yeah, that's the thing. No one, no one knows anyone right now. But I can't help but wonder if that's always going to be the case, though. Hey, for as much as he likes to troll him, Lane Kiffin clearly respects the hell out of Nick Saban and a lot of his processes. And... That might be one. I mean, there may just not be this constant flow of information anymore. And on top of that, the previous administration, right, wrong, or indifferently, um, 
they needed local media to spread good news or any news at all because nobody else really gave a damn. Uh, and then before that, everything was, at least they tried to keep it close to the vest because there was an NCAA investigation going on. So it's been years since Ole Miss has had a program run by competence. And I think part of that's going to come with less information than you've gotten the last three years because they don't need it. The fans are all in. Everybody's all in. And so they don't need some leaks about recruits or internal. They don't need it at all. And so maybe that'll continue because that's how Alabama does it. And it seems like that's one aspect of the way he runs a program that Kiffin really likes is the way that the media and stuff is handled. Yeah, I think it is some stuff as as people as the staff tends to get more familiar and like everything kind of becomes more uh, or there's more continuity developed. I think more stuff will probably get out. But to your point, it will it won't be like it won't be like it was before ever. I think it will be much more tighter sealed than it's been around here in a long time. But I do think there will be some regression back towards just from natural familiarity between local people around here and who's working there now, because even I mean, you talk about on off the field, whatever, there's a ton of turnover in inside that football building. And it's not just on the field. I mean, Siski's gone, you know, Brendan Chapman's gone. Like I, it, it it's the turnover is just not just with the on the field staff. Like it, it's, there's a lot of new faces in that building right now. And so I, I do think that will probably take some time to, uh, to kind of flush itself out. So we'll see how that goes. Will Dolphins take Tua at five? I think they should. I don't really know what, like, maybe you're going to suck again and you want Trevor Lawrence, but, like, the Dolphins, like, Ryan Tannehill, I, excuse me, Ryan Fitzpatrick, for as awesome as that performance was, kind of set the organization back for what they were, in terms of what they were doing in their actual plan. But it may work out for them anyway, being able to get Tua instead of Burrow, because there are people that think Tua is a better pro prospect than Burrow, Burrow, Ohio kid, seems to be cemented with the whole Cincinnati thing. So if you can do it and it doesn't actually mess up your plan, you better do it now because I don't know what else they would be waiting on. Yeah, he's not falling below five, I don't believe. No, like, but like, but if, but aren't they at five? Yeah, I, I mean, Tua. I don't think Tua is falling below five. Yeah, I know. I guess it, the, the flip side of his question is if they didn't take Tua, then what are they doing? Like, what are they going to do? Uh, like what? No, what would I mean, you like? What? What would they do? I guess. Oh boy! I mean, um, you could trade out of it or take someone else and wait on Trevor Lawrence and stink again next year. But again, I just that that to me, I I don't. I'm not pretending to be some kind of like Dolphins insider here, but that, that to me doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, there's a risk you you don't get Lawrence again, and so then you're right back to this position. I think you if he's available, you have to take him. You don't have a choice. You had your tank year. You traded off all your assets. You accumulated a bunch of picks. Um, you, you have to start building now because, and well, maybe I'm wrong. It just roster building doesn't have to take three years. And if they tank again, I mean, it's it's a wasted year. Last mailbag question we have, I believe, unless I'm missing something. What do you make of the new XFL overtime rules? Are you aware off the top of your head what the overtime rules are? I am not. Let's see. XFL overtime rules. Here we go. 
Both teams will have the opportunity to win the game. Oh, I knew this. I knew this. I we I think we talked about this a long time ago, but maybe uh, like when the XFL first announcement came out, it's a it's a five round shootout of two point conversions similar to penalty kicks in soccer. That's after a uh, five or six minute overtime period. Okay, so they'll so have an to- overtime period and play real football. And then they go to the shootout? And then they'll go to the shootout. I mean, I'm for it. That sounds awesome. That's a really good idea. Well, hold on. The w- Wikipedia is saying these overtime rules ensure that both teams have an opportunity to win and would limit overtime to five to six minutes. Oh, so no, they're just going straight shootout then. I'm all for that. That sounds awesome. I wish, uh, I wish the NFL or college would do something like that. Everyone that seems to have a strong opinion on college NFL overtime rules. I don't think college overtime is the best way to do things. I think it's fun. I think it's okay. Uh, obviously, NFL, but that doesn't mean I like the NFL. Like I, I, I can dislike college and think the NFL is dumber. Because anytime you have a system where both teams can't possess the ball, you have a problem. But can you? I mean, I, now nowadays it's hard to imagine the old NFL overtime rules. Where you remember, like, I mean, you're talking like five, six years ago, where if you won the coin toss and you got 35 yards, you won the game because your kicker made a 45, 50 yard field goal. Like that was terrible. But Anyway, it, but anytime you have a system where both teams don't get the ball, that seems fairly dumb. I would like to see college try something like this or NFL try something like this or maybe start both teams at the 50. Uh, I like college probably slightly better than the NFL, but both seem dumb. I don't see how it's hard to get this overtime thing right. I think the XFL probably nailed it. I believe that is all of the questions we had. We have Eli Manning um, retired. Does Chad Kelly start? Oh, how did I a miss game that? next season? Well, I missed like three. See, I do this every time we go through. I come back through and I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't answer this one or this one. Uh, let's see. Does Chad Kelly start next season? No, I say no. Wait, wait. No, getting a start. Yeah, not starting as the full-time starter, but at some point does he start a game? And I say yes. I'll go yes to then. I mean, Brissett didn't really stay healthy this year. I do think that they had something with Brissett and that whole team when they were healthy. Because you remember the Colts started five and two, and one of them was kind of a screwy loss at the beginning of the year to the Chargers in week one. And they had a really good team, and they faltered off. And I think sometimes one of the misconceptions is when, like, like the NFL is so hard to follow all 32 teams. But I was reading something the other day. It's like, they were actually a pretty good team and a playoff team, but they just got decimated by injuries. Brissett got hurt and missed a couple weeks and was playing injured the rest of the year. You know, they lost T.Y. Hilton. They lost a couple running backs. They lost an offensive lineman. Like they were good. Injuries just killed them. They didn't like it wasn't. I it didn't seem fluky, but at the same time, like I hope Kelly ends up getting second string. I just want to see him in an NFL game that counts. I just want to see what it looks like. Like he he got so damn close in Denver, and then of course had the you know, vacuum cleaner incident. I'll go yes. I'll say he gets elevated to the second string, and then I say he gets a start when Brissett misses a game next year. That is, uh, I guess, my bold prediction. The second part of his question, does Kiffin bring his brother back to Ole Miss? I think that is highly unlikely, but I guess I wouldn't rule it out completely. I wouldn't rule it out, but, yeah, I'm with you. I don't I don't think that's very likely. Um there are candidates' names out there, but again, I think a lot of that is 
guys throwing stuff against the wall. There is very little leakage out of that program right now and direction for uh, assistance and whatnot. It just it doesn't happen. So, I mean, they could hire a guy today. And the likelihood of us knowing who it was ahead of time is kind of small. I mean, that's how this has gone. Uh, there, I mean, like Joe John Finley's name was out there and Durkin and Patrick's name was out there a couple days before. But, I mean, it, it's not... Again, it's not the way it used to be. And so he's obviously looking for guys, and nobody really knows who he's looking for. That's just how he's operating now. Who's your favorite contestant on The Bachelor this season? I am not watching The Bachelor. I've watched bits and pieces of it in the past because my girlfriend watches it. I do find it funny. I do find it entertaining. I get why people watch it. and like, like I get the allure and why it's like intoxicating to some people. But uh, I, I, I mean, I'm not like... I'm not coming home after work and watching it on my own account. Just not, not in my, uh, not on my viewing menu. So I, I don't know how, how to answer that. I was at a, uh, I was at a bar in Oxford a couple weekends ago when some guy that was the bachelor was actually in the bar. He was in town for a wedding. Uh, I think his name was Ben Higgins. Uh, everyone was freaking out. He looked like just some average schmuck to me, but who knows? Apparently he was really famous. So, uh, Sounds like there were a couple of celebrities at the bar that night. Ben Higgins was at the bar that you were at. Yeah, uh, he was at the uh, he was at the graduate. See, I wouldn't have a I would have no idea who this clown is. I mean, not not the slightest clue. He was uh, actually he was in town. So it was actually one of my roommates was going to Henry Lartigue, the uh, the old baseball player here. He was getting this married. This dude looks like Aaron Murray. Are you sure it wasn't Aaron Murray? Uh, I never actually asked him if he was Aaron Murray. But based on what everyone was talking to him about, it seems like he was more of a reality TV guy than a uh, pigskin thrower. But uh, he was—I think he was headed to Henry Lartigue's wedding. I was—I I don't know Henry Lartigue or whoever he married. I wasn't going to the thing, but I was with a buddy that was, and so we met some people that were up there Friday. But yeah, he was—he uh, was there. So I guess that's my answer, Ben Higgins. I don't know if he's on this year's Bachelor. I don't know how that works. So yeah, that's Google says he's dating a, an old Miss grad, a Nashville resident um, named Jessica Clark. So cool, man. Okay. All coming together now. Makes a ton of sense. Yeah. How about that? Uh, other news and notes to get to before we get, we got some, a uh, couple of different things to get to before that Remind you again, go to LB's university Avenue across from Coger, go eat some meats. My roommate is actually on an all-meat diet. He could use uh, Greg's help this time of year. But University Avenue across from Kroger, best place in Oxford to get meat. Steaks, custom cuts, daily specials. He's got sausages, all kinds of stuff for baseball season. Go see our friend Greg. Tell him we sent you. Tell him thanks for making a bunch of money for you uh, in the gambling picks this year. Uh, Really appreciate Greg sponsoring the show. Eli Manning is retiring. It kind of popped out of nowhere yesterday. Yeah, I saw a couple of Eli Manning trolls said that he couldn't even let Jeter have the spotlight for 48 hours. I'm going to bet Eli Manning is not that calculated, but I did get a kick out of that. He's uh, he's retiring, and so once he gets on camera today and announces his retirement, you are now going to have four and a half years of ridiculous takes on whether he should be in the Hall of Fame or not, and it's going to suck. Yeah, and see, I thought about talking about that today i just i don't know what else we can add i mean drew Brees had a good quote yesterday uh, where you can't tell the story of the nfl without eli manning involved and i mean you know that's great i just 
what can we talk today? Here, we're doing show prep uh, just out loud on the podcast. Here we go. What new can we add about Eli Manning? Because the day he got benched, we talked as if it was done. And then uh, he had that final send-off win over, was it Washington? Either way, they, they won the game, and it was clearly his last game. And he did the final run off the field, and in the newspapers the next day were thanking him. And so we talked about it then. And then, um, I mean, we've done it a few times. What can we add today that we haven't already talked about? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think you should get in. I don't really have a strong opinion on this one or another. I think if you win two Super Bowls and you beat the greatest dynasty uh, you've ever seen in American professional sports, not once but twice, I think that should probably get you to the Hall of Fame. He's, you know, top 15 in most passing categories all time. He had two great playoff runs. Like, yes, the last half decade, maybe even longer than that of his career, really kind of stunk. I think some of that's on him. I think some of that is on incompetent ownership. Because you look at the Giants, even after Eli goes, and I hope Daniel Jones ends up uh, being okay. But, like, the New York football Giants and the Giants way in first-class organization, all that, really is just kind of a crock of shit. They're a dysfunctional and bad organization. And so I don't think you can blame Eli's failures on the last half decade of his career entirely on him. He's not completely absolved to blame. He stunk, and it doesn't help that every time he makes a bad throw, he has a big dumb look on his face. Like, he wasn't <laughs> great. But, like, I don't think you can be completely on him because I don't think they did a good job of building a good team around him. Did a terrible a job of it. And I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, that – that started happening when Tom Coughlin left or began to start happening when Coughlin left. Cause I think they did miss on some guys at the end of his tenure, but Coughlin as big of a psychopath as he is, was a pretty good team builder, like built a pretty good defense and then had competent enough offense that got Blake Bortles to an AFC title game in Jacksonville. So once he left, like it seemed like they just kind of lost it away in terms of team building and building a roster. So I don't think it's completely on him. I think he should get in. I think there's multiple ways you can get into any Hall of Fame. I don't think there's one set criteria. And so, like, yeah, like I, I saw I one guy last night arguing, well, he never won a league MVP. It's like, well, when did that become an art? When did that become a thing? There would be the Hall of Fame would be so small if he never if the if the if one of the uh, if one of the benchmarks you had to achieve was winning the league MVP. I mean, that. I mean, how long has the NFL been around? How long has it been handing out MVP? You'd have like 50 dudes in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, especially when it's an arbitrary bullshit award anyway. Like Russell Westbrook winning the NBA MVP a few years ago, he was not the most valuable player in the NBA. He wasn't. He just had the triple doubles. And so he won the MVP, even though he wasn't, by category, the most valuable player. So it's a dumb award that isn't always given to the most deserving guy to begin with. Yeah, and I like the, the the thing I don't get with the the anti Eli Hall of Fame deals is like the only thing they can point out is that he's like he had some bad years and he was one seventeen and one seventeen all time as a quarterback. It's like, I mean, yeah, sure, that's valid, but like that, like that to me, like that the argument never really goes into any depth past that. And so, like, I think people that are anti Eli in the Hall of Fame are people that are classic like prisoners of the moment and don't actually contextualize an entire career can really only remember the last five, six, seven years. So I, I don't know. Like you said, I don't really know what else you can add to it. I think he should be in. I think he's going to get in. But if people want to have an opinion that he can't, 
I mean, okay. I don't. I mean, I'm not going to argue with someone about it. I don't really feel that strongly either way. Yeah. Um, so what what can we add today? And what can we do? We got ra- we got three hours of radio to do today, man. How do we uh, make this relevant today without rehashing the same stuff? Uh, I don't know. In reality, he would have been better off as a Charger. He should sign a one-day contract to retire with the Chargers. I don't know. You could throw one of those out there. I, other than that, I really, I don't really know what else you can, uh, you can add on top of it. Uh, I thought I about, and Richard would never go for it because he's a lame ass. But I thought about us, like one day every so often, just doing a first take day where we throw out the most ridiculous questions and. and make up like our side and have dumbass debates for three hours. I think that would be so much fun. Like Eli Manning, would he, you know, who's better Eli or Peyton? And we just argue about it and yell at each other about it, even though the answer is seemingly obvious or it's a dumb arbitrary question to begin with. I think that would be so much fun. Just especially in the summer when there's nothing else to do like, okay, Jordan or LeBron, who's better. Let's just do that today. And scream at each other about it. I think that would I mean, be hilarious. I would be all for it. Just like coming up next in the four o'clock hour while LeBron James is a shitty parent. I uh, I would be all for <laughs> stuff like that. Like, Does he make his youth basketball games about himself or his kids' games about himself? Yeah. Yes. And then, uh, then five o'clock, we're going to fix baseball. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I, I, I do have ideas that. myself because I'm not a purist. And it's really not anything that would change the game. I, it's more speeding up the flow i think for me not being the baseball guy like you are four hours to watch a baseball game i think is too much because there's not enough going on in a game that makes it worth watching for four hours to me that's why like the nba i think the the length of game is great two and a half hours 245 at most that's perfect if baseball could knock a half hour off of their games just by cutting out little stuff, time in between pitches or something like that. Don't change the game, but shorten some dragging aspects of it, I think would help a lot. That, But that's just me, the non-baseball guy, talking. Oh, no doubt. I just think the topic is funny because that is like your class. Like anytime you flip on ESPN or something in the summer and you've hit the June, July, nothing's going on. That is a low-hanging fruit topic for like the Will Kane show. Uh, or something to uh, discuss to uh, spend an hour and a half <laughs> discussing in late July. Maybe get a former commissioner on and talk to him about you know, uh, you know, did steroids really actually harm the game? Stuff like that. I always find that funny. It's you you get one or two of those every summer. Uh, elsewhere, Ole Miss does have a hoops game this weekend. They play at Georgia. I don't really have a lot to add to this other than this is probably in the next little bit their best chance to get a win. Because Georgia's been very up and down. They've looked like a pretty good team at times, NCAA tournament team at times, and they've looked completely incompetent at others. Uh, Anthony Edwards, obviously, projected lottery pick, has not played particularly well the last two games against Mississippi State and Kentucky. I I don't have a ton to add to this. Like we, we've, we've kind of buried this in the ground in terms of what they need to do to play better. I think they just kind of are what they are. I do think they could beat Georgia. I don't think Georgia is very good. But again, they don't do things like the things you need to do, particularly to win on the road in the SEC, rebound, have good possessions late, guard, protect the rim, all that kind of stuff that equates to winning in general, but it's amplified on the road because your margin of error is smaller. They don't do any of those things well. So I don't really have much that I can add other than uh, if you don't win this one, I think they're, I think they're going 0-8 or 0-9 before they get a win. 
That's I mean, tough. they get South Carolina at home in the beginning of February, but before that, like, like, tell me where they're winning a game. You got Auburn and LSU next week. Yeah, man. <laughs> not, not a. I don't know. I saw quotes a, today that Kermit said they're still a great practice team. It's just not translating to the game. I mean, I, I believe him in some senses on that. I do think they're still probably busting their ass in practice, which wasn't always the case when uh, AK's last year when that team kind of tuned them out. I just don't think they're very good. I mean, we talked about it on Wednesday's show where you talked about where did Kermit throw his team under the bus or was he being honest? And the answer was yes and yes. But I, I think he's probably right. I think they probably still are practicing hard. I just think they stink. I think they – some kids haven't made the jump they thought they made. I think there's some a couple recruiting misses on there. Like I, I just, I think they stink. I think it is what it is. Like I don't think, like you talk about the chemistry and the locker room issues and all that in terms of like are there some because that always arises when uh when teams are losing. I mean maybe a little bit, but I think that 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 is bred by losing in a losing streak. But I don't think it's anything like toxic that's carrying over too much on the court. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But, like, I just think they suck. I think it's that simple. Well, that's very positive. I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> there isn't much, there isn't much you can add on that. I guess uh, elsewhere, we do have our first baseball availability of the season today. I'll have coverage of that at supertalk.fm. Uh, look for that late tonight. Not late tonight. Late this afternoon. I think we're talking to Mike and a couple of players at 2 o'clock. We'll probably get in heavy to college baseball on Monday. Uh, I probably could, we probably could have done it a week or two earlier, but I held off just because we've had other things to discuss. We'll get into baseball uh, pretty heavy next week, uh, kind of preview the season because you are two, three weeks away at this point. Uh, I'll probably have one of the D1 guys on here next week, either Aaron or Kendall, depending on which one of them will answer me uh, at some point early next week. We'll get into that some. We'll talk about just the S. I don't. I mean, people say it every year how good the SEC is, but if you look around the conference this year, this has the potential to just be an absolutely absurdly loaded SEC season. Like I, I like I, I think it could break precedent. I, I think there's if if things break the right way, I think there's an SEC team that could get in the NCAA tournament at twelve and eighteen in league play this year. I think there are good. Like I think there are a couple of good baseball teams that'll finish twelve and eighteen in the SEC this year. The the West is just absolutely stupid. There's not a bad team in the West other than Alabama, and I think they'll be better. So we'll get into that some some other stuff. Uh, but yeah, baseball coverage this afternoon. Baseball heavy show. At least one show next week. Probably a couple. Uh, I imagine if you're an Ole Miss fan, that is probably a pleasant sound to hear, given the way basketball is going. But uh, interesting team. I think they'll pitch it pretty well. Can they hit? We shall see. But uh, you got anything else? Do we have anything else to uh, talk about today? Did I miss anything? Um, I, man, this story just dropped. And, uh, I mean, we have to talk about it today. I just don't know how to go about it. So, uh, apparently, the New Orleans Saints are going to court to keep emails by the hundreds that show team executives helping with PR and damage control for the area's Roman Catholic uh, church amid its sexual abuse crisis. Well, hold on. Say it, uh, so the team, the it football again? team, what? Um, helped uh, football team executives 
helped do PR and damage control for the area's Roman Catholic like district, so to speak. Um, helped them do PR and damage control after a sexual abuse crisis. The football team helped the church do damage control after sex abuse allegations. Uh, this is something I'm going to have to dig into and read into before I like formulate an educated opinion on because the breadth of knowledge I have of it is what you just told me. So if you're listening to this show, I've got the same amount of knowledge as you unless you saw this uh, before. Here's you the second. To it. I don't know how to say this word. This is really embarrassing. I know people are going to make fun of me, whatever. It's archdiocese, which is like a, I know it's like a region of churches or district of churches, so to speak. This is the second paragraph in this AP story. Attorneys for two dozen men suing the church saying court filings that 276 documents they obtained through discovery showed the NFL team, whose owner is devoutly Catholic, aided the Archdiocese of New Orleans in its pattern and practice of concealing crimes. So is that Gail or Tom? How long ago did this happen? So Tom died last year. So I assume this would be Gail. But couldn't Tom have done it? Like it, how long? It could have been that as well. I mean, it, this is not uh, emails exchanged in eighteen and nineteen. Interesting. Well, I, I just I don't. Uh, I, I'll give you like the dumbed down version. Like if you want a primer to ask questions. Well, Tom didn't die last year. He died in twenty eighteen. So this, I mean, if it's eighteen and nineteen, it's Gail. Right. I'm just wondering if terms of like this scandal happened pre like when did the scandal happen? Mm, it does not say. Because like very well, the scandal could have happened six, seven years ago, and they're just now discovering this, is I guess is my point. But uh emails were exchanged in uh eighteen and nineteen. Oh uh, okay. That's the clergy okay. abuse litigation included an October twenty eighteen exchange in which they Oh wow. Okay. So I've got to read this. This is there's a lot here. Um but yeah, that that news just broke and um tune in to Sports Talk Mississippi at 3 to 6. I'm sure we'll discuss crap. This at length. But uh quite the uh, bombshell to draw in this Friday show. But yeah, I'll spend more time reading about this this morning and uh, I'm so sure th there was a lawsuit that was settled with more than 50 names on it. Holy shit. And they were involved in this in, in some way or another. Wow. I will uh, definitely get to reading about that this afternoon. And uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty of thoughts on the radio show. We'll probably discuss it on Monday's pod, depending on uh, what kind of waves this story actually makes. But uh, hey, Local New Orleans media member just tweeted, so who's going to buy the Saints? So, uh, Well, that's quite something. But... Uh, so we'll get into that, I'm sure, on the radio show this afternoon. We'll um, probably carry over into Monday's show, but look for baseball coverage at supertalk.fm this afternoon. Uh, unless you got anything else, I'm going to get out of here and I guess get reading into that. I think that's it, man. All right. Well, we appreciate you participating in the People's Holiday Mailbag Friday returns again next Friday. Uh, think about your questions between now and then. If you like what you heard today, like and subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about the People's Holiday we appreciate you guys listening, and we'll be back at it on Monday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.